And last night, I had another Monica Bellucci dream. I was in Paris on a case. Monica called and asked me to meet her at a certain cafe. She said she needed to talk to me. Cooper was there, but I couldn't see his face. Monica was very pleasant. She had brought friends. We all had a coffee. And then she said the ancient phrase. We're like the dreamer. Dreams and then lives inside a dream. We are like the dreamer who dreams and then lives inside the dream. I told her I understood. And then she said, But who is the dreamer? You like it the juice? Did I get the juice? I liked half of this juice. <laughs> Once again, our let's watch two episodes in a row thing paid off. I, I feel like. This fucking show, man. Like, I, after episode 13, I was like, I don't want to watch anymore. I'm tired of watching this shit. And then episode 14, I'm like, all right, I'm back in. That's <laughs> I can like, watch I, four more episodes of this. You mentioned that you didn't remember a lot of the back half of this show because you kind of tuned out around this point, and it's like, watching episode 13, I know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. If I wasn't, you know, sticking with this for a purpose, I don't know that I would have given up, but I would have been tempted. Yeah, no, I never gave up, but, like, I stopped, like, making it, like, an appointment show, like... The first couple episodes, I'd be like, oh, fuck it, Twin Peaks tonight. Oh, yeah, I'm going to watch Twin Peaks tonight. And then it was just like, I'll watch Twin Peaks, whatever. (laughs) When I get around to it, I'll watch that thing. Well, the problem is it's a lot of, it's front-loaded, I think. Like, a lot of the stuff I liked about the episode, 13 anyway, like, we got out of the way quickly with the the Evil Coop stuff and the, the Dougie stuff. And then it was just... A whole lot of fucking, what I always call it, Dick Tremaine, which is just the shit I don't care about. Yeah, um, did you know Norma's been overcharging for her pies? Well, she's not overcharging. She's charging the right amount. Oh, They're right, trying sorry. to, the other restaurants are cheaping out by using substandard ingredients. Thanks for clarifying that, because I would hate the listener to be confused on that important subplot of Twin Look, Peaks The Return. That is the key to solving every mystery of this show, <laughs> is the, the ingredients of Norma's pies. Fucking Norma's goddamn pies. I wrote down turd sandwich for what my, one of my notes, and it was around the time where Norma's pies were the topic of conversation. Alright, first off, welcome to Saturday Night Jive where we talk about Saturday Night Live and Saturday Night Live-related movies. Jim Belushi was in this episode. <laughs> Jim Belushi was in this episode. And David Koechner, in a moment that I laughed at uh, heartily. That was, a good ep- uh, that was a good moment with David Koechner. So yes, this is, this is our stupid podcast, but right now we're watching Twin Peaks The Return. We're on episode 13 and 14. I have seen the series before, but have little knowledge of it, because I don't remember what happened. And Ben has is this the first this is the first time he's watching season three so I just want to introduce the podcast that's my first note yes and <laughs> well because what else are we going to talk about episode thirteen um, I want to say the saving grace of this and I'm going to be jumping around a little bit I 
I want to say, and I'm I'm not one of those guys that thinks that David Lynch is like a meta commentary guy. Like he's using his show to symbolically like make fun of his audience. A lot of people talk about like the box and the creature is like a commentary on television and shit like that. I don't think he's necessarily doing that all the time. But when he fucking throws in James singing his fucking song, <laughs> there's no fucking way he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. And he's just he's just making fun of all of us at that point. I know, because do you think it's possible that maybe he's being sincere about it, you know? And he's like, okay, I'm going to make Twin Peaks The Return. I better rewatch the original series. Wow, there was a lot of, like, stupid shit with James in it, but... <laughs> If that's what the people want, that's what the people are going to get. Episode 13, I'm going to sing that fucking song again. I do have a theory about that. It's not a major mythological theory, but uh, just in terms of like the background of this, they keep talking about that character, Renee, who's married. I think that was supposed to be Donna before uh, Donna refused to come back. And I think they, rather than try to get like, you know, Moira Kelly or somebody, I think they just said, ah, let's just make it a different character. But I think in okay, the original oh, pitch, that was Donna. Okay, you know what they could have done? Cut that shit out. Oh, yeah, cut it out fucking completely. I I think I read a story somewhere that Showtime was like, wanted to do uh, 12 episodes, and then David Lynch was like, no, fucking 18. And episode 13 is so fucking boring. Everything in this could have been excised. What I will, I will at least defend the normal stuff to the extent that it feels like it's building up to the Ed and Norma getting together, like there's like they're still being kept apart by arbitrary circumstances. I don't know if I get the sense yet if Ed and Nadine are even still together. I don't think that's been uh, addressed yet. But, I mean, obviously something is keeping them, and, and I don't know, I guess they're kind of riding the line of whether that guy is her boyfriend or just her manager, but, like, I think that's... To whatever extent that matters to anything, I think it's... You know, more of the unrequited love thing. I don't know. So, I think it's a big cup of who gives a shit. That, well, I never gave a shit about it in the original show, let alone now when I'm, I want to fucking know what Evil Coop's up to. Yeah, why do I fucking care about Norma's fucking pies? And then, all right, yeah, all right. I, well, all right, let's, let's Wait, fucking go through the episode what, What's proper. Evil Coop up to, George? He's having a fucking arm wrestling contest with gangsters, because that fucking makes sense. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm like upset. I'm so upset about fucking... Big Ed drinking coffee. That I only want to talk about that, but we do need it. We do need to let's get through the episode. Evil Coop going to see Ray. This scene was important. This scene was good. Well, I guess. I mean, it was, the end of it was important. The lead up to it is just silly David Lynch nonsense. In the way that I liked, I liked the idea that there's this presumably criminal gang. I think they're affiliated with the drugs because Richard Horn was there and he's working with uh, uh, Balthazar Getty. So I'm assuming that's the same organization. And the fact that they they choose their leadership by who can win arm wrestling contests. So it just happens to be that the fucking guy who played Jason Voorhees has the strongest arms. So he's the leader. Yeah, this is in like, I guess their uh, bylaws and rule books. Where if you're the best at arm wrestling, you get to make all the decisions. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, it's silly, but again, it's silly in that way that Twin Peaks is fun when it's silly. It's silly in a Dougie Jones sort of way. Yeah, no, I liked this scene. Um, yeah, especially when Evil Coop was arm wrestling the guy and like the whole back and forth between them was good. And then the very end when he 
punches the guy's face. <laughs> just, like, into his face. Like, the guy just has, like, a fist impression in his face now. It reminded me, like, remember Bill Plimpton? The the guy, he did, like, those weird, like, animations where, like, people's oh, yeah, faces yeah, yeah. were contorted. It reminded me of something yeah, like that. It did. <laughs> but, yeah, and yeah. Just, just the way he's toying with him, like, he's constantly going back and forth, back to starting position. Yeah, I liked all that shit. Yeah, that was good. Um, but the real fucking meat of this scene, and, yeah, the last, like, interesting thing that happens is after the arm wrestling competition, Evil Coop is now interrogating Ray to get the coordinates uh, and all right, so Ray explains that he's been in work in league with Philip Jeffries to take Evil Coop down. Yeah, Philip Jeffries' plan was to have Ray uh, shoot Eat Coop and put the the ring on him, and that's all we know about the plan, I guess. And um, by the it's... ring, you mean the fucking owl ring, the Formica table yeah. green ring from Fire yeah. Walk with Me. Yes, which. Because again, my and I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast. I talked to mentioned it to you while you we were watching. My theory was that that wasn't Philip Jeffries, that that was Philip Gerard. Because the first time we get any mention of Philip Jeffries, it's this guy. He's Evil Coop is talking to him on the phone line, and he's but he questions it. He's like, "This is Philip Jeffries, right?" And then the implication of that scene was it was somebody else impersonating Philip Jeffries. And then later on, Ray talks on the phone to a Philip. But my thinking was it wasn't. The guy we thought it was, it was Philip Gerard, Mike's host. And you you insist that it is Philip Jeffries, that he's coming back in some form. Obviously, yes. David Bowie doesn't come back because he was dead. <laughs> but I'm banking on your poor memory that maybe that sequence is different because why else would, would Ray have the owl ring if he wasn't working for Philip Gerard? That's Mike's ring. Philip Jeffries doesn't have that ring. And, well, didn't Doug, didn't Dougie have it? Well, the ring, from what I understand, and this is a lot of this is analysis as well, obviously. The ring is Mike's wedding ring. Because in If I Walk With Me, he says, with this ring, I thee wed. So when you put the ring on, you're basically marrying yourself to Bob. Or sorry, to Mike, rather. And Bob is his familiar. He finds victims. The, the original relationship, before Bob went off on his own, before Mike saw the face of God, cut off his arm, the arm became Mike. Philip Gerard was on his own. And, then they and now the arm's a tree with a testicle yes. on it. We all know this. But I was saying before that, when they were working <laughs> together, they were the golden circle of, 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 I forget what they say, pain and suffering, whatever. Um, I think the way it went, as we see kind of in Fire Walk With Me, is Bob will go out and and collect Garmin Bosia by creating pain and suffering, and then the victims of that pain and suffering, he will put the ring on to send their souls to be eaten by Mike. Obviously, that's not how it works now because Mike is reformed. He's not. He's no longer. I guess he's still eating Garmin Bosia because he has to. He feeds on it, but I assume he finds some different source for it. Um, but like that's the idea. So like the idea is you put the ring on and you you die. Your your soul is sent to the the red room, which puts that last scene in Fire Walk with me, where the 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 scene in the train car in a different light. Where maybe that's the reason why Bob had to kill her because when you put the ring on, that's what he's programmed to do. He's Mike's familiar. When you put the ring on, you're marked for death. He didn't want her to put the ring on because he wanted to possess her. He wanted to claim her for himself, but instead Mike tricked him by saying, no, this one's mine. Well, then why did Coop... Because Coop tells her to not put the ring on. I think because Coop doesn't understand the process. He just thinks everyone I've known that has become in contact with this ring has either died or disappeared. So he just assumes the ring is cursed. Hmm... 
Well, because he's saying that from the Red Room, though. That's what I. That's why I never understood that. But is he saying it from the Red Room in the future? Is it future or is it past? Because he's not in the old man makeup. That's true. So I don't necessarily know that he knows everything that he would know now. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, uh, so Coop, uh, Evil Coop shoots Ray dead, but before uh, he does that, he makes Ray put on the ring, and so then when Ray dies, the ring disappears, and Ray is now in the fucking red room. <laughs> so that happens now. That's a thing. Oh, and we haven't talked about this much, but it's it's in a lot of implications, and it's enough that I'm watching a lot of like rewatch podcasts, like in succession with ours. And the the main theory about Richard Horn is that Evil Coop is his dad, that he raped Audrey in in the hospital when she was in a coma, and she gave birth to his son, right? Uh, there was there's multiple theories, but yeah, but that's, that's one of them. well, that's I think it's definitely getting close to that. And I'm wondering because that remember when Richard Horn killed the little boy. Um, uh, they he saw the we saw the like the soul or whatever leave his body. I'm wondering if like he is now like a fun because of his parentage. He's like a function of that. Like now anybody he kills is part of that cycle of pain and suffering, and that's what that meant. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I'm just that's what I'm throwing out there. Yeah, well, but and then this is when the episode just like falls off a cliff. Um. Well, After we, that happens. we get um, the the pres- uh, the, uh, the cop brothers, where they they find all the evidence they need to crack That's the true. case, but it's so unbelievable to them that they crumple it up and throw it in the garbage. Yeah, they get the prints back on Dougie Jones, and they're like, "He's a missing FBI agent." <laughs> and. And then uh, Tom's. Oh, uh, this did have Tom Sizemore poisoning Dougie. You I like that. That's too. the thing. And this is at this point. Once you get to the end of that, that's basically half the episode. It's just the yeah. second half of the episode is so fucking bad that it makes it makes you forget that like most of the episode was actually pretty good. Yeah. So up to the so it's just yeah the first forty minutes of episode thirteen fine the last twenty but yeah man the last twenty feels like more than half the episode but no I did like uh, Tom Sizemore. <laughs> It's gonna poison Dougie, but he uh, he pusses out at the last minute, um, and that's that's really all we get in that scene. Well, so just yeah, the, I, the way they do it, it's a more of Dougie influencing people like, in a being there style, not realizing it. He starts he gets distracted by his dandruff and starts massaging his back, and that's enough for him to I guess realize that he doesn't want to kill Dougie. Yeah, you know, now that I'm looking back on it, looking back on it, I like that scene. But while we were watching it, I was kind of like, "All right, come on, let's let's go," because you know I'm getting a little tired of this running joke of the thing with people say something and then Dougie Jones repeats it. Like they keep doing that and doing that. Well, I mean, we got to get to that. Well, of course, that's also getting into the next episode. We see another guy who just repeats everything at the end of that episode. I know what the I know, fuck. Yeah, it, that. So there's more tulpas out there. Yeah, uh, that's that's what it seems. But yeah, well, all right. So put that on pause. That's a teaser and for the next episode. He's a guy bleeding gotta... from the mouth, which we just heard no. about that as well. Shh, shh, quiet, quiet, quiet. We gotta talk about Norma's pies first. Well, I mean, okay. <laughs> we also got Doctor Jacoby and Nadine, who it didn't go anywhere. But I like both of those characters, and I like when they cut back. To, I mean. I'm assuming that comes to nothing, I guess. I just, I don't know why I am, but 
it doesn't feel like anything that's going anywhere, but I just, you know, I like that dynamic. I mean, it, it, this, this storyline, if I remember correctly, has closure, but it has nothing to do with the main plot. I mean, this is just a, this is a B story. Well, cause I, I, I was making connections with the golden shovel and he's out in the woods and we, we saw, and again, in the next episode that, that the, the entrance to what I, what I'm assuming is the White Lodge is a pole of gold to counterbalance the pole of black oil that enters the Black Lodge. So I was thinking, like, the golden shovel was something to do with that. Like, shoveling yourself out of the shit philosophically is, like, the truth. Like, you know, like, you know, if you were to talk to the fireman about it, be like, yeah, that's pretty much what we're all about. <laughs> no, it, Dr. Jacoby is not going to hand uh, Coop a shovel. <laughs> yeah. be like... Here, here's the the secret to it all. It was all my shovels all along. I brought that up in a previous episode, I think, where it's like, yeah, there, we know that the entrance to the Black Lodge is a pit of black oil. I think it's supposed to be black oil, black engine oil, because that's what Bob smells like. But, I, yeah, if it just ends with Coop having to dig a hole, I would love it. And this was um, interesting, too, the, the thing with Sarah Palmer, which informs the next episode as well. Yeah, but I did... Yeah, okay, so yeah, we get a big long scene of Sarah Palmer drinking vodka and watching a boxing match, like a f- seven-second uh, clip of a boxing match on a loop. This was forever long. Like, at first it was interesting, but then I'm like, all right, what the fuck am I, what, what am I fucking looking at here? Well, it's, it's interesting for me, one, because she also goes into the other room and there was the noise from the kitchen, and she goes into the kitchen. Again, my theory is still that she has that delivery boy in the kitchen and she's, like, eating him. And that, I feel like... I said that as a joke last time, but now I think she's actually fucking eating him. We get some confirmation that Sarah Palmer is a monster in the next episode. But in this episode, we just fucking look at her go into another room while she's watching a fucking boxing clip over and over again. But here's the thing about that boxing clip. And it is, it's a loop. But I don't think Sarah Palmer knows editing software. So I don't think she figured out, like, she made this loop happen in, like, a real sense. Like, or she bought, somehow bought a VHS tape of, like, the same boxing match every 10 seconds. This is happening mystically in some sense. You hear, like, a like a fizz, like mm-hmm. electricity, which we now know is, is magical. It's, it's about, you know, that's how they travel. And maybe she's doing it. Maybe she's like looping it back with with her electrical powers or something, or somebody else is. But or the thing inside her that we now know is inside of her. We have confirmation of that. Uh, but that it's not like just a regular broadcast. It's something creepy. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of like uh, chilling in a way, just because it's so weird and just like it's an old timey sports announcer and then there's a bell and then there's a weird like noise thing that happens and you keep hearing that over and over and over again. So that's kind of interesting, but does it have to be, it it felt to me like the longest fucking thing that I was watching. Well, I think it's, it has to be a little bit long for you to pick up on the repetition of what's happening. I feel like it's maybe one or two beats too many, but yeah, but yeah, I feel like, if I hadn't realized, because that's the thing, it, it connects back to previously when we saw her and she was watching fucking like tigers eat each other or some shit. Yeah. And it's like, so she's like, she's ingesting violence essentially through her TV, through the, yeah, the electricity it, of her TV. I, I believe that's, I think what we're supposed to get out of that is Sarah Palmer is just like feasting off gory imager, imagery. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that goes to my theory. Again, 
I'm going by what was a little bit spoiled for me that the kid in the the episode eight was a young Sarah Palmer. I'd read that that, that I I don't think it's in the show from what I understand, but I read that the final dossier says that. Yeah, I don't I can't remember, but yeah, everything I've I've read has said yes, that is Sarah Palmer. Which by the way, I now have the final dossier. I will be reading it as soon as we're we're done with the show. I don't want to spoil anything with the show, but um, yeah, I found the audiobook of the uh, Secret History, so I've been listening to that. Uh, that's just on fucking YouTube, by the way, if you want to fucking yeah. find it. I, I haven't listened to that either, but I actually can't no, listen to that, because that came out before, right? Uh, that came, Yeah, that came out before the, uh, the return, so yeah, there's no spoilers in that. So yeah, maybe I'll listen to that when I'm at work and not doing any work. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, but no, that, that, so, so you have She's the Girl, Bug Thing comes into her mouth, and... I, my theory that she is possessed by she her, that was creating her as a physical host for that creature that we're calling or that I'm calling the mother of all evil that I happen to believe is also Mrs. Tremond um, and I, I believe that even more so after watching Fire Walk with me by the way um, but that, 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 that creature inside her is sort of harvesting her out and making her this sort of engine for pain and sorrow and that's what all it was all about engineering her to be in a place to lose her daughter and her husband and just have this shitty life is all about making her the ultimate vessel for this ultimate evil. And I feel like we fucking saw that in episode 14. Right. But first we got to talk about Audrey talking to that weird little man again. Okay. And this is another thing where I almost want to want you to spoil me a little bit. Don't, don't tell me everything, but Okay, tell me this, and if you even remember, does she ever actually make it to the roadhouse? Yes. Okay, see, then that that fucks up my idea of what this might be. Because if she was always in here and could never leave, which seems like she wants to leave but can't, I'm getting definite... Fu- either, well, I know people have said, like, is she still in a coma? I've heard that before. I don't think it could ever be that hacky, but I'm getting definite Black Lodge vibes from all of this shit. Possibly, yeah. It seems like she's somewhere not normal, um, but it, like I still have no idea what she's talking about. She keeps talking about Billy, um, which you talk, you hear about Billy in the next episode. The people at the Roadhouse at the end of episode fourteen are talking about Billy. So maybe I'm just not paying close enough attention to the Roadhouse subplots. Well, I don't know. <laughs> maybe I need to piece those together somehow. I'd be curious to like edit together all just all the roadhouse scenes to get and watch them sequentially and see if that illuminates anything. But I also don't. I think the the main point of that stuff, at least from now. I mean, obviously we might get more, obviously. But from my watching it now, the main point of that is to establish that all this stuff exists independent of Audrey. So like, we're supposed to think like it's the real world. So Audrey's in the real world. All these hints that I'm getting that she's in the black lodge can't be true because there's real life, but Hmm. they don't, everybody, she mentions all those people. None of those people mention her. You know, even in that last scene where like, she's talking about Billy, but she doesn't mention, like, I thought that like, that was going to be the twist where she was going to be like, who's your mom. And she's going to be like Audrey. And like, that was going to be the reveal. And the, even Billy, and then we get Billy, and Billy's I think is a tulpa. So the the one concrete connection that she keeps mentioning Billy, I don't think is of this world. So I think that's a misdirect. I think I, I think she's in the Black Lodge, and she's somehow getting information about the outside world as a pr- part of the process of facing her dweller on the threshold. 
Maybe. Yeah, so like the roadhouse is actually what's going on in Twin Peaks. Everything else we're seeing is like on a different plane of reality. Well, because here's my thing. Uh, well, first, the reason I, I thought it, it was a couple of things. First, I think the fucking guy, Charlie, even says the word threat. We're on the threshold in the previous episode, right? I didn't fucking imagine that. Uh, we're on the threshold? Like he, when, he, when they were talking, in the first episode we saw them, he says, like, you know, we're right here on the threshold. About, and he's referring to it as about to leave. And that's, to use that word, when we already know that the process a spirit goes through when they die is they go to the Black Lodge and they encounter the dweller at the threshold where uh. they, they go through all of their own problems and, and face their demons with imperfect or imperfect courage. And then you have Charlie who looks like the little man from another place. I mean, he has the same physical disorder. So I think that's meant to evoke... I don't think he's really Mike, but I think that's meant to evoke that. Those two things together say Lodge to me. So he's trying to talk her into... What, passing on? Well, because that's the thing. You remember, like, we've never actually seen this process play out. What happened to Coop wasn't him meeting the dweller on the threshold in the way that spirits do. He physically went into the lodge and met his his dark half. I think this is her meeting her dark side in a more metaphysical sense. Because remember, her, her role in the show was always, she wanted to be in on the action, but, like, she was not the, she wanted to be the main character. She wanted to get all the attention, but she never was. You know, she wanted to be Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz parable, but she put her own red shoes on, but she was never going to be Dorothy because that was, that was always going to be Laura Palmer. And she even says, is this the story of the little girl who lives down the lane? That's Sarah Palmer. That's not her. You know, she's never the important one. So I think the idea that she hears all these stories of these, these exciting things going on that she's not a part of, and she's dwelling in the obsession of that, I think that's her, her dark side. That's her, what she has to overcome before she passes on. Sorry, am I am I am I getting too ridiculous at this point? No, no. That it's when you see the resolution, you you may have it. I mean, well, because and that, it, it it resolves, but it you know it's left up to your interpretation, basically. And there's a couple other things with that because um, I'm, I'll spoil that. I realized watching the original show, every other person we know that has been possessed by an entity, their hosts have been similar in appearance, but mm. the opposite of personality. We don't know what Mike looked like before when he possessed, first possessed Philip Gerard. We only know him afterwards when he was a little person, but he wasn't a little person when he possessed Philip Gerard, so that doesn't count. But when Bob possessed Leland, he Leland got the white hair, but he was a straight-laced lawyer to counterbalance Bob's crazy fucking mo- animalistic monster. Uh, the, the giant, the, who we now know as the fireman, he possessed an incredibly tall person, but the, the fireman is this sage, wisdom, helpful guy, and Senior Drill Cup is the least helpful person in the world. So the idea is like they, they counterbalance it. Like their personalities are different, but they look the same to make you think who, you know who they are. So I'm thinking this guy is the little man from another place, but unlike the little man from another place who's wacky and dancing, he wants to dance all the time. This guy's always tired and never wants to go to the dance club, but he looks just like the little man from another place. Alright, I'll buy it. So he's the opposite personality, same physical uh, physical appearance. And then the other thing I was thinking, the roadhouse. The roadhouse, okay. This is something I realized when I rewatched the original show as well. The roadhouse channels spirits because it's made of the same wood from the forest. That's why there are many points where the giant just appears there and like time will freeze and it feels like we're in the red, we're in the, the, the black lodge or we're in one of the lodges or we're in another place. Like time freezes and there's dreamlike qualities and it happens multiple times. So I'm thinking 
maybe some of these scenes in the roadhouse, like they're connected to the spirit world because it's the roadhouse. That's um, there's one part of the Audrey scene that I like actually wrote down. I, for some reason, my mind just kind of like I, I kind of zone out during those Audrey scenes, and then afterwards, I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck were they talking about? They seem deliberately designed but, to make you zone out. Yeah, because they're they're talking in circles to each other. You know, you don't know what the fuck's going on. Um, but she did say, uh, "Is this Ghostwood?" And then for some reason, that made my mind go like, because then we cut to the Roadhouse, and I was like, "What if you know?" Because we're ta- Josie's in the spirit of the wood, Ghostwood. What if Audrey's in the wood of the roadhouse, you know? Well, that's like, the thing. She's a ghost in the wood. The log lady is also... Because that, that's a fam- that's a line from the show where Hawk says it to the log lady. The, the wood holds many spirits, doesn't it? And I think that's that's part of it. I think I think that's some part a lot of what the electricity thing is. Whereas, like, they're, they're both forces of nature, but electricity is associated with the sort of cold, hard modern. So, like, that's where the bad guys used to travel. I think wood is where the good guys used to travel. It's, it's, it's nature. It's, it's the old school way of, of, of uh, power and kindling. We talk about fire can be good and bad. Bob is bad fire. It's black fire. But, you know, fire can also be good based on the intention of the fire. Well, when you kindle wood to start a fire for good purposes, that's... That's the good part of the lodges that are influencing your life. So, yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. Um, And then we get um, Big Ed drinking coffee. Well, there Uh, there was one other line in that scene, and I have no idea what it means, but I thought I'd throw it to you, where where he says, do I have to end your story too? Yes, I do remember that. Implying that not only does he somehow have the power over her story, but he's done it before to someone else. Yeah, or... Yeah, and like maybe he's the the writer, possibly. But that's the thing. If he is the dweller on the threshold, if we assume the dweller on the threshold isn't one, isn't like a like all the doppelgangers are distinct. Like they're all part of the same entity. You know, they can split off like Evil Coop did. But like when you're in the Black Lodge and you're facing it, you know, it's you know it's one thing. Maybe he's done that many times. But maybe ending your story means you came here with imperfect courage. You are trapped in the lodge forever. Um, and then you got anything to say about James Hurley singing a song? Fuck that is all I have to say about that. I, I, I talked about the Donna thing, didn't I? Or did I talk about that off off air? Um, what Donna thing? That I think that character was supposed to be Donna. I think I said that on the podcast. Oh yeah, okay, yes you did. Um, yeah, because then they cut to a lady just in the uh, in the audience listening to the song and just crying, tears streaming down her face. And then we go to just Big Ed drinking fucking coffee for. It's just that's how we end the show. It's just fucking Big Ed. Just he's he's eating some soup. Yeah. Well, there's another connection though with the the first time we saw James in the show, he approached Renee and that other guy punched him in the face. That other guy is Chuck, who was the guy who was said to have stolen Billy's car, Billy's truck. Oh man, I I fucking forgot all about that. Yeah, okay. I would have too. But I'm, like I said, I'm listening to all the recaps. So. Okay. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Um. But man, and then Big Ed just eating soup. Big, Big Ed eats some soup. Well, he's sad. I, well, he also he burns something. I thought that was like a letter maybe that he was going to give to Norma. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I was just, I mean, when I, I was watching care. this, <clears throat> I know. I, w- I was like, you know what, David Lynch, fuck you for making me watch Peanut Sweeping, but fuck you more for making me watch it again. Like, this is just Peanut Sweeping 
but it's soup instead of peanuts. <laughs> I guess I had more to talk about, but a lot of it is just stuff for that I assume is going to come later. And I feel like 14 got me more excited for this than 13 did. So maybe I sound more excited about the episode than I am. But yeah, 13 still sucked. Yeah, no, that was a shitty episode. Uh, after we after we finished watching it, I, I legitimately was thinking, like, why don't we just record an episode now? Because if, if I have to watch another hour of this shit, like, I'm not into it. Well, I mean that would take away from the you know what we've been doing. I feel like I know, and then um, we would, and then the episodes would have wouldn't have all been two episodes. We would have had to do another episode. No, 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 two episodes well, do, at a time. Do you want to do a wrap up episode as well, where we kind of go over where we think Twin Peaks is by the end of it, or do you want to just use the last episode? I for think that? I yeah, we might have to. It depends. I we'll play that by ear, but um, because I don't know that I'll be able to have like an overarching theory of what Twin Peaks is. At right after I watched the last episode. Yeah, no, I think we'll probably have to have an episode where we break down the finale because there's a lot of shit in the finale we gotta, we'll have to talk about. And then we'll probably have to do another episode just to, like, now that we've both seen it, recap our thoughts. Because this is so weird talking to, uh, about this show with you because you'll be saying stuff and you'll go on a tangent and I'll just be like, uh-huh. Because, like, I don't want to spoil you for shit. Well, okay, and again, don't tell me if I'm right. Is there anything that you think I'm just way off base on, based on what you know? No, because a lot of the stuff is up to your, like, you know, the show doesn't give you concrete resolution, so, like, there's some things where I'm like, yeah, that's one interpretation of what's going on. Because, that, well, that's the funny thing for me, watching all of these recaps, because a lot of them are, like, people that I think are younger than me, and, like, dumber. <laughs> like, I don't want to say that, but, like, they're making just factual errors based on not paying enough attention. So, like, a lot of people, like, one guy kept talking about, like, you know, Coop's in Dougie's body. No, he's not. Dougie died and disappeared and went back and was yeah. dematerialized. This is Coop, and he's not even, he doesn't even have Dougie's mind. Mm-mm. People just think he's Dougie, and his mind is messed up. His fingerprints are so, still Coop's, as we learned in episode 13. Yeah. So, so that's that's the one place where... Like, even in the last episode, I mentioned that, like, we met Billy, and he's repeating everything, but that's where I think maybe that's not the case, because we, we know, based on what we understand, that that's not, that's not a function of being a tulpa. That's a function of whatever's going on with Coop. Yeah. So, maybe that's something else entirely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into episode 14, because uh, we start with Albert telling uh, Tammy... Is that her name? Yes, oh, yeah. Tammy. Who's I believe her name is Tammy Preston. Yeah, and her initials are TP mm-hmm. or, twin, or Twin Peaks. Yeah, in the uh, the secret history book is like annotated, I guess, by her because it's like written in a style where like someone wrote the secret history of Twin Peaks and then like she made notes in the margins. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So the audiobook is, I'm starting to listen to the audiobook, but it's really weird sometimes because, like, you'll be listening to a book and then you'll hear someone else's notes because they're also reading the notes that would be in the margin. That's funny. Um, but, yeah, I just, and, and this is the scene. They, they, I think they, they obliquely referred to this in a previous episode. This is, like, the, the big part. This is the, the full version of the story of the first Blue Rose case. Yeah. Uh, it was Laura Duffy. They broke into her apartment, and uh, she was uh, shot. She disappeared, and then there was another Laura Duffy holding a gun who claimed to not know anything. Uh, And so this is where we get our first mention of tulpas. Yeah, which I've been talking about tulpas all this time because I was kind of spoiled on that. Just as the name, I didn't have anything to connect it to. I just kept hearing people refer to Dougie as a tulpa. 
uh, in weird in analysis videos. Um, but uh, I think maybe I might have accidentally watched some that were from later on um, because I was again kind of trying to skip around and not be spoiled. But yeah, this is a very sim- yeah similar thing. The idea that there were there was another du- a doppelganger that isn't a dweller on the threshold, do- a shadow self doppelganger. This is there these have been created before. Yeah. Uh, they may not even be related, but uh, that's they also kind of tell us what the Blue Rose case. So that that's the history of the Blue Rose case is because before she disappeared, she said, "I am like the Blue Rose." So I guess that's why they named the task force the Blue Rose. Yeah, whatever. And I I, I have my suspicion about Tulpas as well because Tulpas in actual and I've looked this up because of this in actual Tibetan philosophy, they are thought forms they're bodies that you create so that you can usually go into other realms or you know travel between worlds travel into dreams for example and so my theory is that like bob possesses people because he doesn't give a shit he just and he wants to corrupt people i feel like lodge entities that want to live in the physical world travel from the, their dream world to our world create a tulpa to do that so they're not taking advantage of a real person mm-hmm. I can see that. And that's, so that's what that would have been. Yeah. Um, but then we also reveal that Diane is the half-sister of Janie E. Which I said that to you, and you didn't say anything. Not that, but I was like, why is she Janie E? That's weird. Is yeah. Is that going to be anything? Well, now I'm wondering if they just gave her a weird name. That way we would, like, um, it, we would know who they're talking about when Diane is, like, Janie E. Like, that's an interesting name. Because... That's the other thing with these people in the roadhouse. I don't. Who the fuck is Billy? Who the fuck is Chuck? Who the fuck is Tina? I don't know yeah. when they're saying these names. I I don't have faces to go with these names. So Janie E. I'm like, oh good. That's a stupid name that Naomi Watts's character has. When I first heard her name Janie E. I was like, Naomi Watts is Janie E. Because it triggered for me when somebody called her Mrs. Jones, and I'm like, wait a minute, she's Janie E. Is she Janie E. Jones? Is E the middle name? Because you wouldn't call somebody Janie E. from their middle name. It would be the abbreviation for their last name, which apparently is, I try to remember what Diane's name is, but it, does it start with E? Uh, I can't remember. Well, they said they were half-sisters anyway, so. Oh, okay. It doesn't matter. So, but yeah, but, but I think that goes to, because we know that Diane is working for Evil Coop at this point. Well, I mean... Unless there's going to be a twist there, I feel like all the indications are that she's she's been texting back and forth with him and giving him the information. I'm thinking that was set up, like she deliberate they deliberately, you know, get, created the the the. Wait a minute, that doesn't because that they would have had to be planning this for years then. Yeah, I that if, that I can't figure out. Like I don't think we ever get any, uh, you know, uh, we don't get any insight into. What was Dougie Jones's life before uh, he was Coop? Because it doesn't merely make sense. Like, I guess the, 1997 was when he was created. Yeah. And then maybe I just guess he lived his he lived just lived a life. Well, because I'm thinking because th- there's been multiple indications that there are deliberate attempts to connect Dougie Jones and that, all everything going on there with the the FBI investigation. Mister C, Mister uh, Evil Coop, once people wants the FBI to find Dougie Jones because he asked about it. He said Las Vegas, and they said they haven't asked, and Diane said they haven't asked yet. That was one of the texts. Mm. And remember, they found the ring, the Dougie Jones ring, inside uh, Briggs's body. Right. Which had to be planted there, presumably by whoever killed 
uh, whoever was involved in that. I don't know if that was Cooper or maybe at this point, maybe that was Diane. I don't know. But I, I mean, but whatever was involved in that, that was planted there to make that connection. I, I don't think it just, I don't think Dougie was there. Yeah, why was that there? Who knows? Maybe I'm, the fireman put it there. Maybe that's possible. But but that would make sense is, if uh, Briggs was in the lodge. Okay, what about what if this happened? So Briggs he puts his head in the lodge, and the fireman just like feeds him a fucking ring right away, and then he swallows it. Now the ring's in the belly. You know that would connect because remember the firemen's took Coop's ring in the original series and then gave it back to him. That was like a, a solemn vow that they had with that's each other. That's True, that's true. That they would follow the thing. So maybe that was the fireman's way to interfere with. Because like he knew what was going on, he knew what they were trying to do with Dougie, so he he did that, and then yeah, that would imply that he created Dougie Jones. Well, no, I obviously Evil Coop created Dougie Jones. That was his yeah, his plan. That would make sense. But that the fireman somehow interfered, maybe, maybe with where he ended up in his initial creation. Maybe, maybe he pushed him to to Janie E in some fashion, so that there would be that connection. Possible. Yeah, I, I I just realized we're talking about the the fireman before we get into like um, the the mind fuck of the back half of episode fourteen. You mean um, the scene that literally introduced his name as the fireman, which yeah. I don't think he's been referred to that no, up to this point. He hasn't been referred to as the fireman yet, so we're talking about the fireman. But um, it's the giant. The giant's name is apparently the fireman. Yeah, I think I may have said the fireman earlier on the podcast. No, I think I I, I I've heard that in some. I think you know, I think I knew that as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, but that, that has a lot of different connotations because Bob is the fire, so obviously the fireman is the, the one that controls, which is to say tries to stop the fire. Right. Um, okay, so yeah, but we're getting ahead of ourselves because we also have to talk about the Monica Bellucci dream. But before we get there, I do want to... <laughs> when Gordon Cole calls the FBI guy and tells him to like find information on Dougie Jones, <laughs> the FBI guy just screams at that other dude. Yes, and I remember where I remembered this. When we watched it, I was like, that's from something. And I couldn't remember what it was. There is a scene in Eraserhead that is almost identical to that. Oh. Where his boss screams at him very much like that. That is, I think, a direct reference. Okay, that makes sense. Because it just comes out of nowhere where, like, the FBI guy's like, all right, we got to find the thing on Dougie Jones. All right. And the one guy's like, uh, how are we going to do that? How are we going to know which one we're looking for? And he's like, this is what we do at the FBI! I I, told, I remember somebody in a razor head in a figure, like a position of authority, coming up to, to uh, uh, what is his name even in that movie? I don't even know if he has, if he's a razor head. Uh, but he just, like, screams at him like that, I think. I, I remember it's something like that. But um, we got to talk about the Monica Bellucci dream. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch this... a razor head. Um, yes, Monica This scares Luigi. me. Why? This scares me. They're talking about it's all a dream. It's a dream, and you're living in the dream. Mm-hmm. Are they going to say it's all? Because that's that's the hacky thing. I don't want it to be. So in all of my theorizing, I'm like any evidence I have that might point to that, I dismiss just on the grounds of like he's not going to do that. That sucks. Well, there is another famous story that is all a dream at the end. Well, that's and I I wanted to talk about it because I've been I've been going doing a deep dive into the Wizard of Oz parallels, uh, as I told you when we were watching. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that the whole idea and that his previous thing before he did Twin Peaks was Wild at Heart, which is a big Wizard of Oz uh, thing. 
the, uh, and and so yeah, there's and you could you can make parallels with you know if if she it's the, the idea of like a dark version where like what if Dorothy went into the dream world and ended up dead instead of you know coming back? That's Laura Palmer is Dorothy in that scenario. And there's so many things I like. I was going into like um, you know the 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 giant is the man behind the curtain, you know, and and he's also but he's also the the big head that dispenses advice and sends you on your mission, which is the thing that comes in front of the curtain. And then you have, it all starts with a little munchkin who dances and, and sets you on the path to the yellow brick road, which the fucking giant says, mentions bricks laid one after the other. And, and it, like, there's, there's so much shit. And the, the, in the first scene, Audrey wears the, the red, she takes off her shoes and puts on uh, the red heels. That's got to be intentional, right? Yes, David Lynch is a huge fan of The Wizard of Oz. It's like his favorite yeah. movie. And I think now we have Sarah Palmer is clearly a Wicked Witch style figure, and I think the I don't because at this point I don't think Laura Palmer, I think Laura Palmer the human was Dorothy, Laura Palmer the Lodge entity that we now know exists separately from Laura Palmer the cousin that looks just like Laura Palmer Mike's cousin from that dream she's Glinda the Good Witch who Sherilyn Fe- or Cheryl Lee rather played in uh, Wild at Heart. Whoa! Now you're sounding like Space Cadet. <laughs> because the, because then because the, remember the the fireman creates that orb with Laura Palmer's face in it and mm. sends it down to Earth to help the world. That's how the Glinda the Good Witch travels in the Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah, bubble. okay, that is true. So yeah, I, all that seems intentional. Hey. Well, yeah, this Monica Bellucci dream. Um, so Gordon Cole is just talking about a dream he had with Monica Bellucci. Um, where he's sitting outside of a cafe with Monica Bellucci, the real-life Monica Bellucci, and she says the phrase, we are like the dreamer who dreams and lives inside the dream. But then she says, but who is the dreamer? And that's what shakes Gordon Cole to his soul. And he refers to that as the ancient phrase. She says the ancient phrase. But that not the last part, but just yeah, you are the you are like the dreamer who d- dreams and then lives inside the dream. That's some kind of ancient phrase that he recognized, and then he looks back and Uh-oh. sees himself in the oh, past. Okay. What happened? No, you're good. You just cut out for a second, but you're back. Oh, but then after she says that, he looks back. After she asks him who is the dreamer, he looks back and sees himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading meta. He's David Lynch in this moment, and because he always compares filmmaking to dreaming that that movies are dreams right so that he's he's dreaming up the world of twin peaks and he created the cord and coal character to live inside of it so that that comes back to that whole meta thing of it's all a self-aware tv show which i don't like and don't want it to be that right well also um the cafe that they are filming that scene in where he looks was there used to be a art exhibit from david lynch so oh. other people have interpreted it as Gordon Cole is having a dream about David Lynch having a, ca- a lunch with Monica Bellucci and looking at David Lynch's artwork. And so basically David Lynch is the dreamer because this all is from David Lynch's imagination. See, and, and here's here's where I'm I'm telling myself this as part of my larger theory to so that I'm, I'm not as worried that it's going to turn out to be hacky. He equates dreams to movies. And so, yeah, he's saying that that's what David Lynch is doing. He dreamed about Twin Peaks. But I think, and again, going with the Wizard of Oz parallel, 
in The Wizard of Oz, the dream place is still a real place. It's not like she just has a dream and it's just dream bullshit and then she's awake again right. and that's the reality. When you travel into the dream world, it's just another dimension. Mm-hmm. And so I think the idea that's the idea behind Twin Peaks to the extent that it is a Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. thing. It's the idea that dreams are just another realm that you, you happen to travel to via dreams. But like Hawk says that, you have multiple souls. You have a waking soul and a dream soul. You know, and, and I think in in the context of Twin Peaks, the show, who is the dreamer? It's the giant. It's the fireman. Because he's doing the same thing David Lynch does. He's, look, he's watching everything on a movie screen. He's dreaming that world into existence and then trying to live in it in order to affect change in it. Yeah. That's my theory. That, that's my interpretation of it, too, basically. Um, so, yeah, David Lynch looks or I don't whatever is happening, but... David Lynch, the actor, is having lunch with Monica Bellucci, and then he sees basically the Philip Jeffrey scene from Fire Walk With Me. Um, they just basically play that out. Um, but then yes. the end of the scene, I wasn't sure if I was interpreting it wrong or not, because they uh, Philip Jeffries points to uh, Coop and says, do you know, or what does he say? Do you know who that is, or do you think... Yeah, do you know who that man is there? Right. Or something like that. Something like that. And then um, Gordon Cole says, I just remembered that part. But I didn't know if he was referring to just that line or the Philip Jeffries encounter in general. I, I took it to mean like that entire sequence okay. somehow faded from their memory. I assume just because of the weird time travel shenanigans or whatever that is going on there. Okay. that, that I wasn't sure <laughs> how I was supposed to interpret that line if he was like, I just remembered that. Wait, were you talking about the whole Philip Jeffrey scene and you know, as a whole, because the, yeah, then Albert says, yeah, I'm starting to remember that too. So it's, yeah, it, it seems to me almost like they're both remembering the Philip Jeffries encounter that happened in the movie fire walk with me. Yeah. And they're putting, they're already putting it together. The two coops thing that, that yeah. you know, that he gets the call from, uh, uh, from Truman that says, we have some evidence that there are two coopers. And I thought you should know that. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, Chad gets arrested, and then we go to Jack Rabbit's palace, where we fucking see the naked lady with no eyes. You didn't think she was coming back, did you? No, I didn't. Well, I completely forgot about her until this fucking scene. Well, I guess she wasn't naked when we first saw her, but in this scene, she's uh, when they get to Jack Rabbit's palace. Uh, sorry, Bobby, Andy, uh, Truman, and Hawk get to Jack Rabbit's palace. Naked lady, or the lady with no eyes from episode two, is now just like. Laying around naked by a stump. Which, because that stump, it's a tall stump, and I think it's meant to live... Well, I mean, I don't know if it's just an actual stump they found, but it looks very much like the the, the tower that uh, the giant lives in, that the fireman lives in. Oh. Hmm. I don't... Hmm. All right, what the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Before we theorize, well, let's figure... Let's explain what the fuck we're talking about. Um, so it's at 2.53, the fucking portal that uh, Gordon Cole saw at the zone opens up, and then fucking Andy gets, this was amazing. This is when I was instantly like, all right, Twin Peaks, I'm back with you. Andy is now hanging out with the firemen in black and white land. I love, like, I would have never thought that fucking Andy would be involved in, like, the weird shit, you know? Well, and, and this is another thing. I, w- I want to just bring in one other Wizard of Oz thing. Because I was talking, thinking of, like, the um, the different phases of it and the different analogs. And, like, you have Dorothy and then you have the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, and the, and the, the Scarecrow. 
And I think the real Dorothy in the context of the story is Coop. And so, but I was trying to think like who, okay, so like maybe the Tin Woodsman then would be uh, maybe Truman because like he's, you know, and I think, I think in the real, in like the real life, it's, they have these things all along. So Truman's heart is tied up with the Josie stuff. You know, he's, uh, Andy's dumb, but maybe he has the brains he had all, he, he thought he mis- was missing all along. I don't know. Maybe Hawk would then represent courage somehow. I don't know really. I don't really have anything. I mean, other than that, he's just, seems like the most courageous of them all. Um, but then, and then in the, in the Black Lodge, I think the three coops are, represent the, the, the lacking of those three things. When Coop goes into the Black Lodge, he meets it with imperfect courage. He's the cowardly lion. Evil Coop has no heart. He's the tin man. And Dougie Coop has no brains. He's the scarecrow. So I think the fact that, that Andy is the, the sort of the good-natured, brainless one, the fact that he's the one that gets this mission, because we later find out there's another character that also gets a similar mission, you know, I think that kind of tracks. Yeah. The fireman base. So, yeah, what happens is now Andy is in the, the fucking fireman room, basically the room we saw at the very first scene of Twin Peaks The Return, and then an episode He's having eight. a very similar experience to Cooper in, the, in that scene. Yeah, when Cooper was getting all those clues, like Richard and Linda, and wait. Oh no! It was, what was the time? Was it two five three? No, it wasn't. No, it was four three zero. Four three zero. That's right. Okay, so we still don't haven't heard. We don't know what the fuck that's about. But yet. I know two five three has come up a lot. It's come up. It was on the dashboard when Coop had to go back to the Black Lodge right. when he was vomiting up the. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I knew we had seen the time two fifty three before. Because yeah, when before the portal opens up. Uh, Robert Forrester's like it's two fifty three, and I knew we'd seen that before. Yeah, it's when uh, well, it Evil was also Coop on the it was on up. the slip of paper in the Briggs thing. Right. Was that also the time that the bomb dropped? I was gonna look back. I don't know, but I, that wouldn't surprise me if that I th- was the case. I think they did mention a time when the bomb dropped. All right. Um, so yeah, so Andy's now in the fucking room, and the fireman shows him um, the mother, the scene where Bob got barfed up in an egg. The convenience store, the Gotta Light Woodsman, and then Laura Palmer, the naked girl with no eyes. We see two Coopers, so he's like basically showing him that Bob and Coop are the same thing. Uh, and then he, it's just a picture of Lucy, and then the fucking fire pole from the Fat Trout Trailer Park with the number six on it. Oh, and he also shows him a, 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 an image from the pilot. Which has always confused me of that girl that's running and, and crying. No, uh-huh. because that happens before the kids find out that Laura Palmer's dead. So I never, I never understood why she was crying, and I always sort of took that as like she just sort of felt it somehow. Like that was just the power of that was like present even before. Because you get the sense that like people are kind of forebodingly like realizing what's gone on with before there's even confirmation of it. And I wonder if that's a reference to everything we've seen as far as like the state of things seems to be rotting. Like there's fucking sick people and evil seems to have taken over. I wonder if that's a reference to that. Like, you know, this is another example of like when evil takes over, we feel it on a, on a deeper level. Oh, maybe. But why is he showing that to Andy? Oh, I guess. Well, I think the point of this scene is the fireman is showing this stuff to Andy I don't think we're supposed to piece it together, but Andy is piecing it together. Um, yeah, he seems to know exactly what to do after that. Yeah, because after he comes back, he gets snapped out of this room, and then he's just like, um, "I got to, we got to take this 
blind naked chick to the jail. We got to put her in a cell where she's safe. She's important. Don't tell anybody about this, but it's time to move. And like, we've never seen Andy take charge before. Yeah. And I'm, am I supposed to, uh, take anything from the fact that the, the Asian lady with no eyes, she, she seems to have like gills on the side of her head. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. If you look at like the side, she has like these weird slits on the, on the, like where, but the thing is, that's also where the makeup would be. I don't know if it's just a bad makeup job. Oh, well, it's not that she has, like, no eyes. It's like her eyes are, like, covered by, like, skin pieces. So, yeah, yeah I think that might just be, like, the makeup that's, yeah, on top of her. Because looking at her now, in the background, she doesn't have them. But, like, when she was lying down, she had, like, the skin flaps. But, yeah, maybe that was just the makeup that's shitty. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, yeah, they take her to the jail cell, and then... um so now the lady with no eyes is in the jail cell also chad's there and we are introduced to a new character a guy with a hole in his face which i initially well i didn't initially think that but after the episode ended my immediate thought was that's billy because Uh, later on we get a thing where she's talking the girl's talking she's always he was bleeding from the mouth and this guy's bleeding from the mouth Oh, fuck, man. See, I gotta keep paying attention to the roadhouse scenes. You do, because they make so much sense. <laughs> the roadhouse scenes explain everything. Um, so, yeah, I, so I guess this motherfucker Billy is in this jail cell. But, yeah, he only repeats stuff that's said to him, um, just like Dougie has been. So, yeah, is this thing a tulpa? Well, but that's, that's what I'm thinking is, because, again, that's what I thought at first. Like, oh, this guy must be a tulpa, or at least a reference. But... Dougie Coop does not repeat things because he's a tulpa. That's true. Coop is not a tulpa. He repeats things because he's his spirit. I think is out of whack with his body due to the due to the nature of how he came through the into the world. I think humans aren't supposed to travel through electrical sockets like spirits are. Right. So that's I don't know how they're going to resolve that, but I think that's why. He's stuck in. He's almost like autistic. Like he's stuck inside his own brain. Well, I think and it's I, his brain is fried. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. But I think in a specifically mystical way that like people don't. That doesn't happen to just regular people. That happens through some sort of interaction with the other side. And I think the implication is that he has had that same kind of interaction. Maybe. All right. So maybe he's he's come from the other side, and maybe this is what happens when like shit doesn't go your way and you have people to help you. Because, like, Dougie is not doing anything on his own, you know? Like, there's a scene in, um, I think it's in episode 13, where Janie E. drives Dougie to work and she opens the car door, unbuckles his (laughs) seatbelt, and, like, pushes him out. But maybe uh, Billy, (laughs) like, he didn't have anyone to help him. So he's just running into flagpoles and just impaling his face. Well, no, because the story that he told, uh, or that, that she told, rather, about him was that he was, like, jumping over a fence and, like, bleeding into the sink. And, you know, like, so that they, like, he was more active than Dougie is. But remember, we've seen, or we've seen Dougie Coop be active when encountering stuff about his life. So maybe mm-hmm. there's something to that. I'm wondering now, I mentioned also when we were watching... Uh, that we missed a scene, or at least missed the relevance of a scene with Johnny Horn, where he ran into the wall. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see that apparently there was like an electrical discharge, and like the place where he hit his head had been plastered over, like he's done it multiple times, and there's a plug there. And my thinking is, does that imply that Johnny Horn, the mentally disabled brother of Audrey Horn, 
was possessed by something from the Black Lodge. Uh. And that that was it traveling through the thing. And so then my question is, did it travel through that socket into Billy and that's why he's fucked up? Uh. And that's the connection to Audrey. Okay. Her, it's her brother. Maybe her brother's mind was somewhere off in the Black Lodge interacting with Audrey and then, then got sent into Billy. All right, I can buy That's that. a wild speculative theory, but that's what I'm throwing out there. All right, yeah, I can get behind that. Um, <laughs> but Hulk Hand Guy. Let's talk about Hulk Hand Guy. I have no... <laughs> we saw him, didn't we? He was just... He was hanging out with James in, like, the episode two. Because I remember you pointed him out to me, and you were like, yeah, that you know that guy that you saw for five seconds? That guy comes back. And I was like, okay, whatever. And now, now it's like, apparently he's part of the mythology of the show, and he's he's got a destiny. Well, because in the first episode, I didn't... I only noticed him in the, in the first episode because I remembered him from later. And then I noticed that he did have the green Hulk hand. Um... But yeah, this guy is just like he's hanging out with James. Uh, they're both security guards, and uh, James. I is guess like, at the Great Northern, right? Um, I don't know. He goes and checks the furnace. I get yo, and you get, hear the yeah. same hum. Okay, yeah, it is in the uh, yeah. It which is. which I I pointed out last time was the hum that the the little man makes when he rubs his hands. So I right. think that's an indication of. I don't know what, but something to do with the, you know, the Black Lodge. Yep. Um, but yeah, so James and Hulk Hand guy are just hanging out, and then James is like, Hey, dude, I've been meaning to ask you something. What's with that fucking Hulk Hand you got? And yeah, he tells the story, and the story is effectively, he met the fireman, he yep. had a weird experience, fireman told him to buy this glove, this specific glove, and put it on, and then you'd have this power, and I guess ever since... You see him, like, crushing walnuts and, like, having trouble. Like, he's got one super strong hand. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's it. And I'm assuming it'll come back, but well, it seems, like, weird that this is... I don't know. It's also weird because he, it's not a Hulk hand. When he tells the fireman, he sucked him up in a portal and basically said, like, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go um, to the hardware store. There's going to be a pack of gloves there that's, like half open and you're going to buy that pack of gloves put on that glove and then you're going to move to Twin Peaks and you'll find your destiny and so the guy's like alright I'll do that he goes he puts the glove on and now the glove is like merch he can never take the glove off but the glove hand gives him uh, what he calls a pile driver punch which my question is why introduce a new character for this if you wanted this to be a storyline why not just make this James and make him connected that way? Mm-hmm. Didn't you say that the, the, they, maybe they said it in the show or it's implied later that he was in like an accident or something? Um. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think they did say that. I thought you said something about that, that he was in like a motorcycle accident and that's why he's kind of retired back to Twin Peaks. Have him, like, in the, you know, he got in a car, a motorcycle accident and he saw the giant and the giant told him this and he tells that story and that's why he has the weird hand. Why introduce this other random character that we don't care about? Yeah, I know. And that's what I'm saying about the shit in the roadhouse, too. It's like, we're, we're introducing brand new characters in episode 14 and they're talking about characters I haven't seen yet. Like, at least, like, fucking make that Cheryl, or not, not Cheryl and Fenn, but... Fucking Piper Laurie. Why can't Piper Laurie be hanging out in the roadhouse and she's talking about Billy? Well, I think, but my only thing with that is, I think the roadhouse stuff seems very deliberately disconnected. Like, the the fact that we don't know any of those characters 
feels like it's the because they just keep doing it over and over feels like that's the point whereas this feels like something different because he's clearly part of the mythology he met the giant um but yeah i it it would make sense that it would be james right but i guess or anybody else or nadine nadine has super strength that's true why isn't Um, she the super strong character but yeah it's episode 14 and all of a sudden we're like oh hey (laughs) this dude he has a hulk hand what okay? Here's my okay. What if, whatever he ultimately uses this Hulk hand for, I'm assuming to punch some some monster or something. Maybe he punches out the mother of all evil at the end of it. But why not just have that be Nadine and her shovel, and like that's yeah. that's the, how that pays off. Like I, I have super strength because so I can swing this gold shovel. It's gold representing the you know the goodness, and I gotta beat the bad guy. That would be better because we've. For some reason, I'm invested in this storyline about Dr. Jacoby's shovels. So why not have that pay off? Well, I wasn't... introduce a guy with a Hulk hand in episode 14. I literally wasn't as invested in that until this episode when we got the connection that the the pole was solid gold. And it's like his things are gold. Like, so that's clearly a connection there. I don't know if it's a connection that comes to anything, but that's not... That's got to be on purpose. Wait, what are you talking about? What's solid gold? The pool. Um... The pole at Jack Rabbit's palace that is sort of like the good version of the pole of black oil in front of the Black Lodge. It was it's so, gold. It was? Yeah, it's gold inside of it. You oh. see like a, a, a overhead shot of it and it's gold. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, the last thing we got to talk about is uh, whatever this Sarah Palmer scene is. At, which, hold on, because I, I noticed this and... Um, this scene with Sarah Palmer takes place at Elks Point Number Nine Bar. Mm-hmm. Does that number nine just look like an upside down six that's on the fire pole? Oh, I didn't think of that. And it's a it's a neon light, which is again it's electricity, which is the relevance of that pole is I'm assuming it's how again it's electricity, it's how they travel that establishes that. Yeah, because we see the fire pole that's at Fat Trout Trailer Park. We see when the fireman shows that to Andy. And yeah, then Sarah Palmer goes to the number nine bar. And yeah, that nine is like the exact same font as the six, just upside down. And does the six have a number sign next to it? No, I don't think so. No. Okay. Um, I guess I could find out by looking at it. But I mean, I don't think it matters necessarily. But no, I think that I mean whether that's I always say like I think that's a connection. I don't know, but Um, no, no number sign. Yeah, yeah, no number, but it's definitely like the same font. It looked like. But um, maybe it's just because they showed me the the uh, pole with the six, and then we go to the bar with the upside down six, which you know, an upside down six is really just a nine when you think about it. No, I mean I'm not I'm not bashing that at all. I think that's very easily could be a thing but what we definitely know is a thing is whatever the fuck happened in the bar oh yeah and then Sarah Palmer eats some guy's face (laughs) fucking well again she's possessed by the mother of all evil is there any doubt of that at this point well no of course not well I guess if we didn't know that that little girl in episode 8 was Sarah Palmer I guess we might be going like wait what (laughs) well but one of the things that Pop like like a little weird little tongue popped out of her mouth, yeah. which I think that happened. The frog that happened with the frog thing too, didn't it? 
I think when we saw the frog, it had like a little thing dart out of its mouth. Oh, I don't remember that. And then you have the darkened spirit finger. Yeah. And I think that's Laura Palmer's smile, like, blackened. I don't know about that. I don't know. But, um, so, what happens is, Sarah Palmer's going to a bar. Um, a guy comes up next to her and is like, hey, honey, you like cunts, don't you? And he's all vulgar. And then Sarah Palmer uh, takes her face off, reveals just a black void where her face used to be. We see a... Uh, left hand with the ring finger blackened out and then just a scary black and white smile. We hear Sarah Palmer say, do you really want to fuck with this? And then she bites the dude's neck off. And are we believing when she sinks back and forth between seemingly real Sarah Palmer and like, is she like, like possessed and not remembering, or is it all an act? Is she just evil? I, I think it's all an act, is what I'm what I got from that scene. Because, yeah, after she does that, she goes like, oh, and she like flashes into like kind of the Sarah Palmer we saw in the original series, you know, where she's like, oh no, what's going on? What's going on? Um, because yeah, she pleads ignorance, but then like she immediately snaps back to like, yeah, this is a mystery, isn't it? You know, so I think she was in control the whole time. Because remember earlier when she was in the convenience store and thought she was in the convenience store, it definitely felt like she was two entities inside the same body. Yeah. Like she was talking to herself. And so I don't know if maybe this is the scene that shows us that whatever struggle for control is over, the thing inside of her is one. Right. So maybe this is something that we may be able to piece together later, but... Why is the mother of all evil just hanging out watching animal porn in some old lady's house? Well, because remember, they they feed on pain and suffering. I don't think, I mean, that's part of it, but I, th- I think it's literally just, like, she's the ultimate, you know, vessel for pain and suffering because of her life. So I think she, the, the, the mother of all evil just wants to live in that vessel because that's the vessel that was built for. Okay, so you think the mother's happy? Well, I mean, you mean the mother of all evil? Yeah, you think the mother of evil is happy right now? Well, I don't think she has the capacity to be happy. She's literally she literally feeds on pain and suffering. I don't think But doesn't that, that you know, make you feel a little good about yourself? Well, I mean, what are you t- So you're telling an- me the mother of all evil is like, "Mm, give me all your pain and sorrow. Ooh, give me all your pain and sorrow. Mm, I feel so miserable with all this pain and sorrow." No, I think the mother of all evil is like, "Mm, yeah, that's good pain and sorrow. I like it." Well, I don't know because remember the first time we well, not counting the box. I mean, the first time we saw her kind of in the flesh in episode 8, she's literally vomiting up evil into the world. And I I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth like, was she in the lodge before that and like that was just the first time they were able to break out and, and, and encounter the real world in a way that you know they wanted to or is she from somewhere else entirely and I they just I happened to find those evil spirits happened to find the lodge later on well I think the, the the atomic bomb blast created her right but did that no I don't I don't think it created her I think it opened a breach to to from our world to wherever she was oh into our dimension we fucked up yeah which I'm thinking it opened a breach into the Black Lodge and all the evil shit in the Black Lodge was like, holy shit, we can go in the real world now. Okay. They basically so did what the doppelganger did. Okay, so didn't create it, but introduced it to our world. So yeah, what was, yeah. What was she doing before? Just like chilling? Well, because <laughs> this is, goes to my theory about the the horse, the white horse. Because in the, in the rhyme, 
the horse is the white of the eyes and the dark within. And I think the I think the this is the water, this is the well, drink deep and descend is just, you know, the the evil that's been spewed into the world. But I think the white horse is it's not just like it's not it's the pale horse, it's the 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 warning that eve that great evil is coming, but specifically this evil. So the reason that Sarah Palmer sees the horse both times is because that was this entity taking control of her every time there's something really fucked up happened. Her daughter died, her, her niece died. The white horse said, this mother of all evils here, it's coming for you. And that was like a warning. And I think that's why Coop saw it in the, the, the Red Room at the beginning of the season, because that was that entity, that creature, taking Laura Palmer. Hmm. I wonder how much of your opinion is based on the fact that you're, you've, you're re-watching the original series too, because like I can't really like... I, how serious are we supposed to take stuff that happened in the original series to this series, you know? Because stuff was made by different directors, too, you know? Or do you well, think David Lynch took all of that and was like, I, even the stuff that's not mine, I'm going to try to make sense of? Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think there was ever a plan from the beginning, but I think he is very keen on retconning everything in mm-hmm. and, like, incorporating everything. Um, if you ever heard Grant Morrison, he's a comic book writer, he has the same idea with Batman. Like, a lot of people who write Batman, they, they ignore all the goofy shit from the 60s and 70s, like the Silver Age stuff. Grant Morrison's like, no, all that stuff happened. We're just going to bring it in and make it cool again. And I think that's kind of what David Lynch is doing with Twin Peaks. It's like, even, yeah, even like the... Like the Wyndham Earl's weird computer system, he probably didn't come up with that, but he included it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and then he, we saw in episode thirteen, uh, James singing that song again. So he's not always successful with it. <laughs> but no, I, I definitely think <laughs> sometimes he does cool things and tries to explain the white horse. Sometimes he has us watch Big Ed eat some soup. Well, and I, I'm, I started this podcast very much disinclined to ever bother with any of the Mark Frost stuff because I was like, David Lynch doesn't care about the Mark Frost stuff. Now I definitely want to read it because I feel like he does. I think David Lynch... I mean, I, don't, I think he's going to do his own thing. If, if Mark Frost contradicts what he wants to do, he will ignore that thing. But I, I think he wants to you know, have that be a part of the universe as well. Oh, yeah. I think it, everything's canon. Well, and this series was written by the both of them. Yeah, I, I don't know how they split it up. If like Mark Frost maybe wrote the like the Amanda Seyfried shit and David Lynch wrote all the Fireman shit, um, or if they wrote together. But oh, did we mention that? That I, I'm pretty sure Amanda Seyfried's character is fucking dead. Oh, uh, maybe she is. Yeah, we just saw her in episode 13. But yeah, that was episode 13. Well, there was a scene that was just like way too happy, where she's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna turn my life around and go yeah. have some pie." And I'm like, "She's never making it to get that fucking pie, is she?" She does. Yeah, she calls Shelly, and she's like, oh, "He's gone out. I don't know where he is. Oh, something bad's gonna happen. Why don't you come down here and get some pie?" It's, oh yeah, pie will cure everything. And that's the last time we've seen Amanda Seyfried. So yeah, I I don't think she ever got that pie, but uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty much the whole episode, right? I think I think yeah that I I just went through my notes one at a time, so yeah, I don't think we missed anything. We talked yeah, no, about the, Hulk hand guy, <laughs> fucking Hulk hand guy. If that's as simple as like they go back to the box and the mother of all evil comes out, he punches her in the face, <laughs> or punches Sarah Palmer in the face at that rate. If it's anything like that, I am gonna be so disappointed. I mean. You introduce Hulk hand guy, you're going to have to have him punch something at some point, right? There's only one place that story can end, is Hulk hand guy is going to punch someone. Yeah, I just, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. 
If it were a Nadine and her shovel, I'd accept it. But <laughs> well, uh, on that note, stay tuned for next week. Will we see who Hulk Hand Guy punches? Tune in next week. Will we figure out who the fuck Billy is? Will he ever find his truck? Well, Billy is the dreamer that dreamed the dream and lives inside the dream. <laughs> Will Norma ever figure out the correct ratio of pie cost to pie profit? Okay, I keep telling you, she has figured it out. It's the other people that are deliberately miscuing it because they want to save money on the cost. No, she's screwing it up because she's not charging enough for her pies. No, the other restaurants are are, char- are are cheaping out on the pies by using substandard ingredients. Right. What? What? And they're turning a profit. Well, yeah, but that's it's not about profit. It's about the deliciousness of pie. Well, yeah, it's a Norma, but that's what I'm talking about. We need to get that pie money rolling in here. Well, I mean, again, I don't think any of that matters to fucking shit. No, it's all about the fucking pie cost ratio at the Double R Diner. Well, you know, pie is the golden ratio, the circle thing. Maybe that's something. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, I, here's my theory for how Twin Peaks The Return ends. Because I forget shit. It might end like this. Uh, you know, Bob and the firemen both walk into the Double R Diner. And they're like, should we just have some fucking pie and hash this shit out? And Norma's like, yeah, here's some fucking pie. Evil and good entities. I mean, Sure. I'm just, as long as it's not all a dream at the end, as long as it's not like somebody wakes up, that was the Space Cadet guy's thing, was that it was all Audrey's dream, and it's like, if that turns out to be true, or there's even any evidence of that, I'm gonna be like, no, man, please don't. Is it all a dream? Find out well, next week, unless this is a there's dream. There's something, I mean, Mulholland Drive was supposed to be an Audrey Horn spinoff, and that turned out to be all a dream, uh, I don't want it to be that. Well, we'll find out maybe next week. Well, we have only have two more episodes. I, well, we have four more episodes to watch, two more podcasts to do. So, episode three, if we do another one. Yeah. So, episodes fifteen and sixteen next week. Until we see you again, get off, get the, off shed. the shed.